Father in heaven, we thank you that heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. And so we pray for this man, Perry. And we thank you, Lord, for changing him. And we ask, Lord, that you will continue to change him. And Lord, we rejoice with you, Father. We rejoice with the angels that this man has come from death and from hell into life and into eternity. What a wonderful transformation, Lord. What a wonderful uh, thing for, for soul, Lord, to be, to be saved. And I thank you and praise you, God, for what you have done in this man's life. And Lord, we come to your word, the living word. And God, I pray that you might speak again through your word. Father God, use both Kim and myself to communicate wonderful, glorious truth, Lord. Even though we're so frail, Lord, even though we're so weak, we look to you today. and Pray, oh God, that you might speak and that the signer and the speaker will not be seen, but Lord, the, the word of God will be heard. Lord, we're tired, Lord, of just hearing and not doing, Lord. Tired, Lord God, of seeing and not obeying, Father. But I pray that your spirit will do a mighty work today. That the houses that will be built will be built on a solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when the storms rage, Lord, when trouble comes into our lives, our houses, Lord, will be firmly built upon you. Help us, Lord, today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm preaching in my title message today, Speaking the Truth. Um, Jesus was having babies being brought to him, young children. And, and we read this in our opening passage, quite a long passage here. And the opening passage here, then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever doth not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Very important little part there, that last verse. And um, the whole story of children being brought to Jesus has been um, really emphasized a lot in, um, in, in Sunday school classes and in, and in preachers. And, and they have Jesus sitting on a, on a stone with little babies of, or children from all nations all around him. And they focus upon that, that story. It's a good story, it's a good account. But this account here only serves to lead on to something else that which is more important. I read books and, and when I used to read books, I used to skip the preface, skip the introduction and go straight to chapter one. But actually, chapter, uh, the, the preface and the introduction are very important to the whole story. Can't just skip them and go straight to chapter one. This little bit here is very important to what we're going to learn about this young man who comes to Jesus. This young rich man who comes to Jesus. 
And so we cannot just overlook this, these first few verses here. And let me just read those last words here. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. Okay. So the first heading that I want to say is a, a, a great question. In Mark's gospel, we read that a man came to Jesus. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. This man uh, comes to Jesus. I like his approach. He doesn't stand at a distance or he doesn't stand shaking Jesus' hand. The Bible says he falls on his knees to Jesus. And as he's on his knees, he says to Jesus, um, good teacher. So let me go back, sorry. He says to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Good teacher. Now, Jesus didn't want to allow that to pass by. He stopped the man and he says to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Why do you call me good? Jesus wanted to teach him something. And, and he says to the man, you know, you know, only God is good. Only God is incorruptible. Only God is blameless. Only God is pure. Only God is truthful. Only God is good. And you're calling me good. I want to tell you, says Jesus to this man. I want to tell you something. I am the good shepherd. I want to tell you something. I am the good Samaritan. You want to talk about goodness? I want to tell you, when you call me good, you're addressing me as God himself. Because me and God are one and the same. God is good, and no one else is good but God alone. But I want to tell you something, he says. I am the good shepherd, and I am the good Samaritan. Me and God are one and the same. And this is a very important lesson for us to grasp and to understand. He's telling this man that you cannot, you have to bring me from the level that you think I am and bring me to a higher level, the level of God himself. And I want to tell you this morning, church, God, Jesus Christ, can be known as a friend, can be known as a friend of sinners, can be known known as our Savior. But I want to tell you, he must be known as God as well. And Jesus makes that very clear to this man in his teaching. Did anyone let it slip by? He said to the man, you call me good. No one is good but God alone. But I want you to know you're saying the right thing because I am good. I am the good shepherd. And so this man here, is, um, he's, um, he has a question. He has a mother of all questions. Look at this question, good teacher. What must I do to inherit eternal life? That is a question. That is a huge question. What must I do to get into glory? What must I do to inherit eternal life? 
You know, in my household, you know, when we have a dispute, we always go to Google. And Google has the answer. And so I went to Google. I thought, well, what did Google say about this question? And in fact, it said some really good stuff about entering eternal life, getting eternal life. Well, it's very really interesting. But the problem is, nobody's ask, asking those questions. That's the problem. No one is asking that question. Instead, they're asking silly questions like, you know, how can I take the best selfies of myself? How can I use a filter that will make my skin look more softer in this photograph? How can I shave my eyebrows off and draw fake ones on my face? How can I look good in this position? And we're asking the wrong and the most silly questions. Where are the thinkers of our day and generation? Where are they? Where are the people who really have serious questions to ask? Like, how did we get here? Who created evil? Why does good things happen? Why does bad things happen to good people? Is there a God? And why is there so many religions? Questions like these are more weightier and more, more important than the questions that so many people are asking. How can I get eternal life? That must be a question. That should be on everybody's heart. But most people are too busy on Snapchat, too busy on Instagram to be able to think about serious issues that surrounds life. This man came to God, he came to Christ, and he had a serious question. That question was the most important question that he had in his heart. And he said, Lord, I want to know, how? Can I get into glory? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, I like how Jesus deals with this man. He doesn't answer his question directly. First of all, he says to him, you know the commandments. You should not commit adultery. You should not murder. You should not steal. Should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. Five out of the ten commandments Jesus um, gives to this man. Just lays it out. Doesn't give him an answer yet. Just lays out. You know the commandments. He says, here they are. There are the commands. And, and this man responds to, to, to Jesus. And he says, all these I kept since I was a boy. Now I want you to see what the Holy Spirit is saying here. He says, all this I've kept since I was a boy. But going back a few verses, remember the babies and the infants that came to Jesus? The little boys and little girls that came to Jesus. They all came to Jesus and Jesus touched them and they were around Jesus. But you know, you can come away from being with Jesus as a little child and have rules and regulations and no relationship. 
You can come away after being with Jesus from a little child. Maybe you grew up in Sunday school. Maybe your parents had a, 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 a faith in the Lord. Or maybe you yourself have been in church for a little while and you've been around Jesus. And you come away with rules and regulations and no relationship. I've kept all the commands. I don't commit adultery. I don't steal. I don't murder. I honor my mother and father. I keep all these wonderful laws. And, 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 and yet I still don't have eternal life. There's too many people. I spoke to a man, quite a wealthy man the other day. And he asked me about his finances. He says, you know, I'm a businessman and sometimes, you know, I do dodgy things with my finance. I, I lie in order to make more money. That's what, that's, he said it in a nice way, but I'm telling you straight what he was really mean. You know, I lie about my finances and my, money, my monetary dealings in order to make more money. How does that settle with God? What does God think about it? Now, I could have gave him a long list of rules and say, you know what, here's the rules. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not keep your wages from your employers. I can give him a lot of rules, but do you know what the main rule is? Do you have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? That is the one thing that God requires from you. Not rules and regulations, but relationship. Because relationship develops and grows and matures. And a man who has a relationship falls deeper and deeper in love with Jesus Christ. And begins to do what he says. Because of relationship. This man came to Jesus. And as a boy... He had the Jesus experience. As a boy, he's been around the religious areas of life. And yet he still did not know Christ. That could be you. That could be any one of you this morning. And you're still asking the question, how can I have, how can I inherit eternal life? Okay, let's move on to the second part of this story because now there's a great sadness. As I said, this man had religion. He had, um, he had regulations. And the Bible says that he was extremely wealthy. He was a wealthy man. I believe um, this verse said, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Because Jesus looked at him and he sees that he still has a God within him. He looks at him and he still sees that he has a, a God that he bows down to. He has a God that he uh, worships every morning. A God that he worships every night. I'm reminded of one of my favorite stories, Jack and the Beanstalk. I still read it from time to time. And um, I hate my children growing up, you know. I just love reading these stories to my children, but, but now they're gone, and I like, read them to myself. But um, Jack and the Beanstalk, you know, you had a giant in his, in his 
in his, in his castle and he calls out, bring me my money bags. And he brought him the money bags and he, he was there half the night just counting his money. And men in the world today who are rich may not do exactly the same thing as the giant, but they still have a, a worshipping attitude to their wealth and to their money. And Jesus looks at this man and he sees in him that he is a God called money. And so Jesus turns around and says to him, you call me good? Only God is good. And I am standing before you as the good one. I am God. You want to know how to get eternal life? Well, get rid of the gods in your life. Get rid of the God of money, he says to him. Get rid of that God and follow me. Here it is. You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. That's a powerful word. The reason why that's a powerful word because let's go back to the children again, shall we? Let's go back to the little infants that come to the Lord and, and look what it says again. It says this. It says this. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Because the reason why a little child can receive the kingdom of God is because a, ch- a child's attitude is that he is dependent on somebody. That child cannot do things on its own. That child needs its mother. That child needs its father. That child needs its brothers and sisters around it. That child is dependent upon somebody. And the reason why a rich man cannot enter the kingdom of God is because he's too dependent upon himself. He has said to himself, I don't need God in my life. I don't need any help from heaven. I don't need any help from the Lord. I have done it all myself. I'm a self-made man. I don't need anything or anyone. And that's why Jesus says to this man, sell all you have because you are not depending upon God. You're depending upon yourself. And you know, this morning... We may not have the wealth that this man had. But sometimes our dependence are on other things. We think, you know, if I can depend upon something else, I can get through life. I can depend upon my job. That will get me through. I depend upon my family. That will get me through. My career, my children, my spouse, my husband and my wife my fame or my fortune, whatever it is, I know that that is what is keeping me afloat and getting me through life. And we depend upon these things and we think if these things go, then my life will be not worth living. Today, people place Christ, the one who should be on the throne, Today, many Christians place Christ somewhere down the low list of priorities. Christ has his time. 
after everybody else gets their time. You know, I have a friend, he's become a very good friend over in Canada, a man called by the name of Jonathan Campbell. He logged in one time just to hear um, one of the sermons online. And he impressed me so much because he said to me, you know, I heard um, the gospel being preached uh, one time from this church, he says. And after a few weeks, I had to find my own church. And he found the church. And after finding the church, he decided to find a, a meeting in the midweek that he can go to in that church. And, and, he, and he wants to get baptized. And so he went to a midweek meeting on a Wednesday. So he goes to church on a Sunday and he finishes work. He's an air traffic controller. And he finishes work and he cycles down to this church. Takes him half an hour to get there. And when he gets there, he opens up the Bible and, and, and he's learning and he's growing in the faith. I'm amazed about that. And I just want to mention a, a few names. I don't want to embarrass anyone here, but on a Thursday night, I'm with men like Ez and Carl and Kevin and Jeff. I'm in the same place with people like Steve and Jim and others meet on a Thursday night. And do you know what these men tell me? These men tell me, Jerry, Sunday is good, but I also need Thursday night as well. I can't get through my week just having a Sunday morning worship session and, and listening to you preach. I just love coming on a Thursday and I won't miss a Thursday if I can help it. Isn't that right? Yes, that's what these guys are saying. Jeff, that's what the guys are saying. That's what the guys are saying. You speak to those men. I, I, that's what they're saying to me. And I have to say that I'm very concerned for many, many hearts and souls. I'm concerned. Because too many Christians all over our country, not just here, all over our country, too many Christians think that Sunday morning is enough to get them through. But I want to tell you, Sunday morning cannot be enough. Why? Because every single day we need to know Christ leading and guiding and strengthening us. And when we go through the week, it seems that when we reach Wednesday or Thursday, there's no fellowship around us. James just mentioned today that at work, and what he means when he says work is a place full of sinful people. I've spoken to James, and James told me everyone in his workplace, they're swearing and cursing, the language are terrible around him. And he has to work in that environment every single day. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Do you know what Jesus says to a church? He says to a church in Revelation, that's what he says to a church. I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. I hold this against you. Yes, you work hard. You're there on a Sunday morning and you're, and you're doing the work and you're meeting different people and you're, and you're praising God. I, I see your hard work, but I hold this against you. When you first became a Christian, you loved me. You wanted to be in my word. You wanted to be around other believers. You wanted to be holding hands with other Christians. You wanted to be there because you knew that I was so, so wonderful and you loved me. But somehow, something went wrong. You got busy. 
you got grown up. You became mature. You began, I feel that I, I can do things on my own. The sad truth is that we need Christ every single day. And I'm concerned as a pastor, as a man involved in shepherding the souls and the people in the church, I'm concerned that we just have a Sunday morning diet. I know that if I only eat on a Sunday morning, come Wednesday, I'm dead. I know that if I have scraps of food here and here, come Monday, I mean, I'm starving. I'm concerned for the souls of men and women in this church. But I believe that we're living in a time and a day where Christians have become anemic. They've become Sunday morning worshippers only. And Jesus would turn around and he would say, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a little child, that child is dependent upon God all the time, will not enter it. Now you may well be involved in other meetings. I'm, I'm so glad that we have a Thursday meeting. There might be other places where you meet with people for prayer or women's meetings. Tremendous. But the truth of the matter is we need to get to a place where we are hearing God more than we're hearing the world. That's where we need to get to. Take self off the throne and put Christ back in his rightful place. A great sadness. This man went away sad because he had great wealth and um, he knew that God wasn't on the throne. He knew that he had his wealth there. He had his richness there, but he didn't have God there and, and he went away very, very sad. And so we come to the, um, the second part of the third part of my sermon without a close. A great reward. Do you know this man who came to Jesus? I like what it says in Mark. It says in Mark, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Even though he was away from God, even though he was walking away with all his wealth and all his richness and, and he was walking away, the Bible said that Jesus looked at him and loved him. He didn't curse him and say, you greedy son of a gun, you scumbag. He didn't say that. He looked at him and he loved him. That's what the Bible says. That's wonderful. It's wonderful because I want to know that wherever I am in life, however far away from God I might be, I, I like to know that Jesus still loves me. And that he gave his son, God gave his son in order to die for me. And that he is wooing me and seeking to bring me closer and closer back to him. I'm so glad that wherever state I might be in, I'm so glad that when Jesus looks at me, he doesn't look at me with judgment and anger. He looks at me with love. I'm so glad about that. And so he looked at him and loved him. And Jesus looked at him and he spoke the truth and he said how hard it is for the rich. He looked at him and said to him how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich 
to enter the kingdom of God. Wow, what a statement. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. How do you want to interpret that? Jesus is using a very, very huge picture there. He's saying a camel cannot get through an eye of a needle. And it's easier for that to happen than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Why? Why is it so difficult? It's difficult because they do not need God in their eyes. They have made wealth their God. They have become so arrogant and so prideful that they feel that they can do anything they want and they don't need God at all. And so Jesus says, it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than somebody who's rich to enter my kingdom. This blows away the disciples. They couldn't get their head around that. They turn around. And then those who heard him said this, said, well, who can be saved? You know what? I mean, not only a rich, we all got wealth. We've all got a level of richness about us. Who can be saved? If it's difficult for a rich man to get into heaven, how about us? I don't know what their thinking was, but they were, they were confused. And, they were, and this is the question that they put to Jesus. And Jesus hits them with this response. What is impossible with man is possible with God. What he's saying is this. Man can't do it on his own, but it's what God can do. God can take a rich man's heart and he can start working and changing that man. God can take a rich man's hard heart and begin to start changing him and molding him and making him into something different. He may start arrogant and proud and full of himself, but God himself can come in. Man can't do it, but God can come in and begin to change and mold and shape this man and this man becomes a different man. Even with his richness and his wealth, he becomes a different man. Why? Because God has been at work in his heart and in his life. And so we have Moses, who was a rich prince of Egypt, leaves all his wealth behind and he pursues the living God. We have Zacchaeus in the New Testament, who was a rich tax collector, shares his money with those around him. Why? Because he meets with Jesus. I want to tell you, God can take a rich man and change and shape and mold this man's heart and life, that he becomes a man who serves God with his money. With God, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. And so um, Peter said to him, we have left everything to follow you. We haven't been like this rich man. This rich man, he's, he's, you know, he's went away. Look at him. He's going away sad. And he's, he's, he's jumping into, I don't know, his, 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 his five-star chariot with his six horses. And, and he's driving off. And, and he's miserable because, look, he, he doesn't want you. But look at us. We, we want you. And we've left everything for you. How about us? And Jesus speaks to those men and he says, listen, 
Truly I tell you, no one has left home or wife or brother or sister or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. Listen, my one first. Let me go back. No one has left brother or sister, he says, for the sake of the kingdom of God. Let me just finish reading that bit what Jesus said. Will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. What Jesus was saying is this. You see your, your family? You see your, 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 your home, your wife, your brother, your sister, your parents, your children, all these wonderful things are around you. Do you see those? I want to tell you. You might leave them behind to follow me, but I want to tell you something. Jesus is saying, you will receive more now. You will receive more now. You say, well, how can I receive more now? That I, you know, I, I'm not doing what my parents say to do. I'm doing something different. I, my wife's not with me in church. My brothers don't come. You know, I'm on my own worshiping God here. How can I receive more? Look at the word of God. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence. I don't need to be in the presence of people. Oh, being in the presence of family and friends are really nice. And I like being with them. But in your presence, God, there's fullness of joy. If I can get alone with you, if I can spend time praying and seeking your faith, Lord, there's something about being in your presence that no other person can give me. My wife can't give me what you can give me. My parents can't give me the joy that you can give me. My friends and friends cannot give me what you can give. Lord, in your presence, there's fullness of joy. So Jesus said, don't worry about leaving those people behind and doing something different, what they're doing. Because when you come into my presence, I've met people who said to me before, and I've experienced this myself. Back in the day, I experienced when I'm in prayer and I'm reading the word of God, and some of you may experience that as well. There's such a joy. Sometimes you get lost in your praying. Sometimes you're reading the word and you don't want to stop reading it. You can talk to your family. You can say, why don't you just shut up now? I had enough of you. You've got to put the phone down. And, and can go away from your family from time to time. But when you get with God, what a reward. What a reward. And the psalmist don't stop there. He says, in your presence is fullness of joy. And here he cries out again, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather spend one day in your courts than be in Dubai, in Ibiza, spending a family holiday in the sunshine. You know what? One day in your courts, oh God. One day in your presence is far better than spending any other day anywhere else. We need to enter into that. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But I want to tell you, once you do know what it is 
to spend a moment with God. And God, somehow you feel that heaven has come down. Sometimes you feel that God is right in the room with you. Sometimes you feel that your heart is exposed and he knows everything about you and you feel accepted in his presence. There's something about knowing what God is doing in your time and life now than being anywhere else doing anything else. But that's not all. That's wonderful. Jesus says, you know what? Leaving them behind, you will have so much joy being in my presence now in this age. But guess what? There's an age to come. There's another age to come. This age is, you know, fine. It's, it's, it's passing. It's, 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 it's transient. It's finishing. But in that age that is passing, you can have me in that age. You can spend time with me in this short time you have. But I want to tell you something. Another age is coming. And in that age is eternal life. And you can have me for all eternity. So some people say, well, you know, I'm, I wish my wife was with me. I wish my husband was with me. I wish my children was worshipping with me. You know, I, I left all them behind and I've come to seek God. I left everything to follow you. Jesus said, well, you know what? You will be rewarded greatly by my presence. Abraham was a man who had a lot of wealth. And God speaks to Abraham and says, Abraham. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, I am your reward. I am your reward. In you, O oh God, nothing compares. In you, O oh God, if you give me anything else, they will fade into insignificance. I want you and you alone. And God says to Abraham, Abraham, I am your reward. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And when I draw near to you, everything else will fade into the background. So whether you're rich today or whether you're not rich, make sure you take whatever is on the throne of your life down and make sure you set up God and say, Lord, where you go, I will follow. What you say, I will do. I will bow and worship you and you alone. And God, I want to be a man and I want to be a woman we don't just come and just graze a little bit on a Sunday morning. But I want my life to count for more than just a Sunday morning. I want to be a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week, 365-days-a-year Christian. I want to be in your presence. And that can only happen when the Holy Spirit comes down upon your heart and begins to change you and mold you and make you into a man and a woman that's after him. May that be you. May that be me this morning. Speaking the truth. Let's pray.